0: Cinemaholics, welcome to another last call. This is a lot. La- this is a big one. We've got a, a large group here, and by large group, I mean three people. So actually, like what well, we would normally have for a regular episode, we are going to talk about cinematic universes. Are they a problem or are they a solution? I think you know the answer to that question already. Let me introduce uh, our illustrious cast here. So. He's been on Cinemaholics before. He's a friend of the podcast. Uh, he is Matt Donato. He, he's the guy who reviews basically everything worth reviewing on WeGotThisCovered.com. We mention him all the time. And he also writes for SlashFilm.com. Matt, how's it going, man?
1: Pleasure to be here.
0: We've, we've missed you. The last time we had you, I think, was yeah. uh, Logan back in February. So been some time.
1: I do remember that fondly.
0: Yeah. Still, still one of your favorite superhero movies of all time?
1: Um, it's like my favorite movie of the year still, so we can we can yell at each other about that if you want later. We
0: we will not yell at each other at all. I totally like <laughs> that movie. And then she she's the editor at large, moviepilot.com, and she also writes for Forbes, Birth Movies, Death. Alicia Grosso, how are you today? I am fantastic. How are you? Uh, some of you may not know this, but Alicia Alicia and I go back quite a few years, so it's always great. I I've been trying to get Alicia on the show for a while now, and this was the topic. We, I've been, I know I've been waiting on this one because this, this entire episode was inspired by a tweet I read by Alicia. I was like, I need to get her to rant about Cinematic universes. <laughs> I do a lot of Twitter ranting. <laughs> yeah, we, you could build a whole you know, podcast out of it. But uh, And of course, uh, we have my other co-host, uh, Will Ashton. You're just pulling so much duty on Cinemaholics this week. You're here for Dark Tower twice because mm. of our recovery episode. How are you doing? Yeah. I'm good. I'm always
2: happy to be on Cinemaholics. You know that. So yeah. no, no pain here, only pleasure.
0: <laughs> well, I don't know how much that's going to um, last here. Now, for those of you who don't know, Last Call is kind of like a bonus episode we like to do for Cinemaholics once and uh, you know, occasionally, time and again. whole point is it's a bit more casual. It's a bit more laid back. And uh, we kind of just pick one topic and let it flow from there. So this is a very laid back conversation. There are a lot of avenues to come at this, but I, I have a few questions to ask you guys, because here's where I'm at when it comes to cinematic universes, like Marvel Cinematic Universe and the many others. Uh, I, I don't fully understand what a cinematic universe is. And how is it? That's what we're going to start with. What is the difference between a movie franchise with sequels and spin-offs? How How is that really different from a cinematic universe? And I just want to go around... And find out from each of you, starting with Matt Donato. What, how? What is it, man? Can you help us out?
1: This is like life's great question that I don't know if there is an answer for. But um, all right. If I'm gonna try to, if I'm gonna try to come up with a definition for a cinematic universe, I think about something like Marvel. And if we think about a franchise, it's a series of basically sequels or, you know, sequels or some kind of continuation of film in a line of some sort that is either moving forward or backwards so that can be sequels prequels stuff like that i think about marvel and it's a bunch of singular films that didn't have any connection until really the avengers film besides maybe an after credit scenario or something like that so like you start with iron man move on to thor you have all these origin films where there is no intersecting of characters or stuff like that yet but we we know it's the same universe we know that thor and captain america are existing in this same realm of superheroes and whatnot and maybe they haven't interacted yet maybe their movies haven't crossed over but we know that they're there and we know it's coming then you get these avengers films that brings the team together and you have the collision of hulk and every other Black Widow, Hawkeye, XYZ, Vision, and you have all these characters who have existed in their own films at some point or as part of a standalone film and are now together in a larger cinematic universe that, I don't know, it, it's like building a world, I guess, that yeah. you have all these stories happening all over that world, and they don't have to happen at the same time. Um, I'm going to use like Shyamalan real quick again because, to me, that's a cinematic universe that what he's doing with uh, Mr. Glass and Split because in no way was split a sequel to Unbreakable. There was never a mention of Mr. Glass until the very, very end of the film. And all that is is a tease to say, this is the same universe. That's like, oh, these things exist in the same thing. If it was a sequel, we would have seen a ton of Mr. Glass throughout the film itself. So like, I think that's the difference between a cinematic universe and just a straight sequel to something like Guardians of the Galaxy and Guardians of the Galaxy 2 that's a sequel within a larger universe. I, I don't know. Does that explain anything?
0: I mean, I think that sounds all right. That seems all, That <laughs> sounds all correct, but I'm, I'm just a little worried that I, are you strictly defining universe in one way? What, what do you think, Alicia?
3: I, okay. So jumping off what Matt said, because I do agree with, with everything he said, but the one line that he said was that it's a, it's a straight line to me. Think of it this way, like a franchise is a straight line or think of it as a tree a franchise is the trunk and the main part of the tree uh or a, you know or just the trunk a cinematic universe is the whole tree so if you look at i know we keep using marvel but let's be honest that's the example everybody's going to use the avengers movies would be or they're the through line they would be the trunk of the tree And then the Captain America franchise, the Guardians of the Galaxy franchise, the Thor franchise, now Doctor Strange, Spider-Man, the ones that are coming, those are all different branches on that same tree. You know it all exists in the same ecosystem. They might not touch each other, but they all are connected to that same trunk. Mm -hmm. And in the case of Marvel, I think that's the way they've... That's not how every cinematic universe works. But to me, um, the Avengers movies are the main part of the franchise and then each individual solo, uh, not ensemble, uh, offshoot, you know, that's based on one particular character. Those are individual franchises that go together into making a cinematic universe.
0: Hmm. I'm, I'm almost picturing like a, a Venn diagram, you know, with like lots of circles and some of them kind of like touch and stuff. And I, that makes some sense to me. Like the idea that like franchise is a subset of a larger cinematic universe. It's- sounds simple, but it seems true. If
3: if you think about the way Marvel's structured, Marvel has structured their movie universe the same way that comic book events are structured in the publishing world. Uh, if you look at um, Civil War, for example, you have, or Stephen King's Dark Tower universe, uh, but if you look at the Civil War comic book uh, event, the first one, there were there was the main uh, handful of comic book stories. that were the main Civil War story Then you had all the tie-ins, like you had the Spider-Man tie-ins, you had, you know, some of the, uh, uh, like Fantastic Four tie-ins, you had even like a Deadpool tie-in. Those are kind of the offshoots. So Marvel's almost structuring its cinematic universe, the way they structure a comic book event where you have the main event itself that you can watch or you can read, or in this case, watch individually on its own. It stands alone. You don't have to read any of the tie-ins to make sense of that main story. But if you want to enhance the story, if you want more information, if you want to see these characters interact and how they overlap with one another when they're not in that main story, then you go read all the tie-ins and all the spin-off series as well. And it's the same thing with Marvel Cinematic Universe. You can watch all the Avengers movies, but you don't necessarily have to watch all the rest to to enjoy the Avengers movies. But to enhance it and to get more of the story, then you can go and watch Captain America and Thor and Spider-Man and Doctor Strange if you want to.
0: This is this is the most educational thing to happen in Cinemaholics history. Will Ashton, I don't even know if you can. <laughs> That's what I'm here for. Can you add anything to this, Will? I'll be so impressed. Uh, not really. I mean, all I was going to say from the offshoot, I
2: mean, I'm not going to be as elegant or as profound. I'm just going to say that. I mean, when I think of like a franchise, I think of something that develops the story and the characters and brings new stakes and kind of matures. You know, their storyline to a point like like a franchise to me would be like the Mighty Ducks films like they just kind of, you know, enhance the story, follow them in new things. And then like a cinematic universe would be like Rogue One within the Star Wars universe where it's building the world and it's kind of building the environment and kind of expanding it to a point where it's kind of this living, breathing, fleshing thing beyond what we saw before. That's all I was really going to say.
0: I mean, you guys, like, this is all, all this conversation is doing is making me like cinematic universes more, which is boggling my mind. I'm going to, at this point, I'm going to list all of the cinematic universes I could come across in like 10 minutes of research, but uh, I'm going to miss a bunch, obviously. But starting with the Universal Monsters in uh, 1931, I'm just going to go through the list here, catching us up, and then what's on the horizon. I'll try to do it very quickly. So you have the universal monsters, like I said, I mean, Dracula, Frankenstein, a few others. You had the Godzilla universe with Toho in 1954 that wrapped up in the 70s. You have even like Alien versus Predators, technically like a shared universe with all the Alien and Predator films kind of being in the same thing. Kind of arguable if that's the same kind of cinematic universe we're talking about. Uh, the Freddy and Jason, same kind of thing with Friday the Thirteenth. Um, Will made me put the Todd Salons universe in here. He could explain it better to me because I have no <laughs> idea. Take that out
1: of here. Stop that. <laughs>
0: um, there's also the uh, the Kevin Smith, uh, the View, Askew universe uh, with clerks uh, starting in 1994. That's still technically Good call. going. I think the, yeah. uh, Clerks three, right? I mean, I don't think we can say that's over. Uh,
2: I think it's, I, I think it died, but I'm not hundred percent sure. Well, if they cause... do
0: Clerks three, though,
2: I know, but I, I think the one they said, like the one actor doesn't want to do it, so I don't think Clerks three is happening anymore. Well, but I'm not yeah, sure. You know, we'll Smith say it's has
1: reasonable. like more Canadian horror movies to make. <laughs> yeah, he the true <laughs> yeah, he's kind of not
2: focused not on that True North trilogy or whatever.
1: But uh, that, is that not cinematic universe in itself? The uh, True North trilogy, right there. Oh, Might be, yeah. Um, I feel
3: like that's a world. Like I also feel like we're throwing this word around. Okay, wait. Like, so
1: what's the difference between a universe and a world then?
3: I don't I mean, know. I literally just said that because it popped. Up.
0: <laughs> well, I was about to say. I was about to say. What about the Tarantino universe? Will also made me put this on, and I I kind of disagree a little bit with it. Is it a cinematic universe, Tarantino movies? Like, does not make sense to me? Like, no, just because it, they have like shared references. No,
1: I was gonna say the only. Thing I mean, that's, like, apple cigarettes or whatever the cigarettes
3: are, and like just the
1: kind of products he uses
2: right like i think well
0: i mean the the
2: brothers Uh, yeah true
3: to be fair uh little fun side note you could say that about a lot of tv shows and movies because there are fake brands that have been made specifically for hollywood so so let's let's
2: potato chips
3: yeah yeah so you could say that every movie that uses that you know, oh, they're all the same world because they're using the same, you know, potato chips or cigarettes or airline.
0: There are even people who are crazy enough to say all of the Pixar movies are the same universe because of we shared references an Easter eggs. Morons and fools. Uh, there's also <laughs> if we if we say a cinematic universe is this narrow, you actually you have to say that Lake Placid and Anaconda are in their own little universe because they were in a movie together once. Um, there's the X Men universe. There's the Hasbro universe, which is...
3: But is that not just a crossover?
0: I don't know. <laughs> That's what I'm so confused about. I mean,
2: I guess by this logic, is the WWE and Scooby-Doo in the same universe? I guess so.
0: Yes, it's absolutely. Okay, but I think, I think the
3: conversation we're having is kind of... It kind of perfectly encapsulates the problem in general with cinematic universes right now and Hollywood's obsession with them. We are so focused on making cinematic universes that who cares as long as it's a good movie?
0: Yeah. You're saying who cares is... about
3: what I'm saying, who cares what label we put on it? If it's a good movie,
0: you're saying just nobody will Dar- care if transformers and GI Joe are in the same universe.
3: I'm not saying people won't care. I'm saying that make a good movie. I just watched the dark tower last night. I have a lot of thoughts. They're not good. <laughs> uh,
0: no, they rarely are. Well, before yeah. let me, let me just power through the rest of this but, list. Yeah, so yeah. Go, go, go. <laughs> I know, I know. There's so much to get into, it's impossible. Uh, then after the Hasbro universe, if you want to call it that, the Marvel Cinematic Universe, uh, Sony's amazing Spider-Man universe with like basically just expanding all of those different characters. And again, another arguable one. 21 Jump Street kind of has a universe now with their spin offs and TV show, the DC extended universe, the conjuring universe. They have the nun coming out, Annabelle, which Matt you're seeing soon. MonsterVerse yeah. uh, with Godzilla again, the Lego universe of movies, the Star Wars universe of movies. They 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 want to do like a Ghostbusters universe, but that's probably not going to happen. King Arthur, same thing. The Guy Ritchie <sighs> movie they wanted to do, Six Knights of the Round Table movies, the Dark, Dark universe. universe with the yeah. Mummy. Um, I added Cloverfield here, which was kind of an argument we were having off the air. I, I, not I think an it argument, is.
1: But I, I think that
0: works. Think that, that's included. Yeah, okay. I would yeah, include fine. that. I, I'm the outlier, but... Uh, yeah, you
2: were outnumbered there. <laughs>
0: I'm outnumbered three to one. I'll take it. Um, on the horizon, mentioning the Dark Tower, we have the Stephen Kingdom, which people are saying they yep. could connect all of the his, his novels, even ones that have already come out, maybe.
1: Well, isn't he getting his own show that's literally that? It, it's, Multiple it, It's yep. Castle Dark, Rock. Yeah, and it's called yeah. Castle Rock. Yeah. Yeah, yeah
0: exactly. Um, we should take care
1: of that one. Yeah.
0: That's a whole can of worms. Uh, Call of Duty. What, they want to make a franchise out of that? A Cinematic yep. Universe? A Disney princess universe? They've the spec sheet apparently they want to do like an Avengers style team up style team up with all the Disney princesses. I don't know. The Hanna Barbera like, universe. Wait, hold
1: on. Get yeah. get back to that.
2: Okay. <laughs> You're yeah. Well, to fair,
3: a, okay, now to be fair, a lot of these are rumors. Like a lot yes. of these are yes. like yes. I'm not even sure that Disney Princess one is necessarily Disney. I think the
0: I think the idea was to use the characters, but not the Disney versions. Right, the ones that are in the public domain. Mm-hmm. yeah so and that's yeah. that's what the spec sheet is about it's not that they want to take the ones that have already come out since like alice in wonderland which by the way i'm surprised they haven't done that yet or said they want to um there's also the Hanna barbera cinematic universe with scooby-doo yep. and apparently wwe because you know uh globetrotters Sue, right uh valiant yeah, comics are in there uh valiant comics uh with uh sony wants to do that with bloodshot and a harbinger, but no one's heard about that in a while. The Millar verse, which I think was like yeah. news from just this past week,
3: Netflix just yeah, Netflix. yeah, they got Our the world. rights.
0: So they they are talking about maybe doing like Wanted and like a lot of other things, and they might be interconnected. That's another rumor. The Robert E. the Robert E. Howard universe with Conan the Barbarian and Call the Conqueror and Solomon Kane. Uh, Blumhouse wants to do a whole universe of horror films, kind of like with The Conjuring and Annabelle. And uh, and then there's the Pixar cinematic universe, which I think like one Pixar director said that the, he was open to doing something like that, where you had a couple of Pixar movies like sharing uh, characters at one point. But again, is that a crossover? So, is there? Yeah. Uh, well, no. I, was, I
2: I hate to beat this drum, but is Shrek technically a cinematic universe with Puss and Boots and stuff? Uh,
0: Puss and, I, I would say uh...
1: technically, if that, I mean if that's how we're defining it, if
2: Puss and Boots goes and does his own movie, that that's doesn't technically...
0: seem to fit Alicia's definition yeah that's what
2: i mean it doesn't really fit (sighs) hers but it fits a couple of ours so i don't know
0: that's what i'm saying like
3: i think just getting bogged down in the the semantics of because like is it a is it a reboot a remake a reimagining what like that's where i get really confused
1: so is is it a sequel a
3: remake yeah
1: yeah no it's funny because like i've been on a few podcasts uh like horror podcasts because like a year ago when the witch came out i did this whole piece about like how we're like you said before. Everyone is just so obsessed with overclassifying things. Everyone's like, "Oh my God, the witch isn't a horror movie." And like, suddenly the conversation transitioned from being about the witch being a good movie to being, "What kind of movie is it?" Oh my God, it can't be this. It can't be that. When it's like, it's a good movie. Who cares what it is? Like, there's twenty different kinds of horror movie. Why are we stressing over which type it is, or if it is, or is it isn't? Like. It's like taking away from the general like discourse about film because everyone just wants to fight about what kind of movie it is. And I think that applies to universes so too right now. So we can't
0: invent new things because we keep trying to fit new stuff into boxes, I guess is what you're saying. Yeah. Everything
1: yeah. needs a box when, like, you know, screw it. Just, like, throw it out and just let it play. I don't know. That's a terrible analogy, but still. I mean, it,
0: it kind of fits into my criticism of It Comes at Night. Maybe I need to rethink that maybe a little bit. Um, but Alicia, you were you were talking before about The Dark Tower. What what were were these thoughts you were having? Oh God. Okay.
3: (laughs) (laughs) You've read the books, right? Uh, The books were one of the most formative book series in in my life. Um, As a book adaptation, it was an abomination as a movie. It was just bad. Uh, But that, so that right there is like the way that is a perfect example of how you do not want to launch a cinematic universe. I think what Marvel has done really, really well that other studios haven't done as well is they understand that we're in a character driven era and they are true to the spirit of their characters. They will mess with the source material all the time. Like people are like, I mean, Marvel has not stuck to a direct adaptation ever in any of their movies, but they've stuck to the characters. They've not, they've not, you know, um, kind of deny the spirit of the character. They've stuck with their essence and that's what's made it work. And from the start you liked the characters, you got to know the characters. Um, I don't think a lot of these cinematic universes are particularly putting out characters that are very memorable or colorful or likable. And they also don't seem to have a clear vision. Like Marvel has always said, we have three plans. We have a plan A. If this happens, we have a plan B. If we have to compromise, we have a plan C as like our last ditch effort plan. But they've always had a direction, you know, from the beginning. And so I think they've had a very clear vision. They've stuck to it. And you you have to have that if you're building a universe. You can't just kind of do it piecemeal and half ass, which is what feels like a lot of these studios kind of change with the wind, as opposed to going, this is our vision and we're sticking with it. They freak out every time this audience changes or there's different feedback or, you
0: know, so. Okay. So then. Matt did not that has nothing remember. to do with the Dark Tower, really. Yes. But. but that was a good tangent because I've been wanting to ask Matt this for a while. Uh, Go ahead, Matt. You're you're someone who regularly takes the piss out of Marvel <laughs> movies to my my own entertainment.
1: Um, not you're ra- not I mean hater, not regularly, but, but no, 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 yeah, there are some I don't agree you're with. Not
0: a hater at all. But is there something that the Marvel Cinematic Universe isn't doing quite as well that you think there's room for improvement?
1: Um, that's a good question, because I mean, I actually think, again, as we've stated, like, I mean, Marvel's one of the better cinematic universes we have right now. So like, as much as I don't really care for Ant-Man, as much as Ultron sucks, as much as a few other opinions I have, um, it, it's still doing everything correctly. And I, room for improvement? Uh, I don't know if there's room for improvement, really. I mean, I would say that the one thing that they could do a little better are the Avengers movies themselves, because those tend to be kind of the worst entries in the Marvel Cinematic Universe because they have so many characters and what they're trying to do is put out the biggest spectacle piece and the best action and whatnot and you don't get that character development that you you would get from...
0: Do you count Civil War in that?
1: I do count Civil War. I I like Civil War. I don't think it's one of the better Marvel films. Nah, we disagree. Uh, No, it's good. Don't get me wrong. Sorry, I I shouldn't be like... I'm underselling how much I like it but just to the effect of like... I love the origin stories 20 times more. And it kind of like, it takes away when you get all these heroes together. And like, I get kind of bummed out when I hear like infinity Wars is going to have the most characters ever for a Marvel movie, because it's like, all right, how do you do justice to even half of them at that point? And I think, I think that ties into what DC is doing wrong or sorry, what they were doing wrong until about wonder woman where, you know, one of the first movies in this new DC universe was suicide squad. And it's like, Okay, we don't know all like so many characters yet, but you want to introduce like seven or eight of them at the same time. Hmm. Like, no, you have to introduce them kind of one by one, build them organically. Um, like Alicia was saying, you know, all these origin stories, and they take care to actually in the Marvel verse make these characters, you know, from flesh and bone and make them human and make them people. And you know, DC didn't really take the time to do that. They just jumped right into it, and we're like, all right, how do we get the most amount of play out of the most amount of characters at the same time? That's kind of how you don't start a cinematic universe.
0: Is is the X-Men thing, because that made me think of X-Men all of a sudden because of Deadpool, yep. Logan, they they seem to be interested in doing these like R-rated X-Men movies that mm-hmm. aren't actually connected, but they are kind of like done in a way that feels uh, intentional. Like every February, maybe we're going to be getting a movie like Logan or Deadpool, which is hard R, and it's like a revision. Or king um, Right. Would Kingsman or count Kingsman? for Fox? Yep, I Kingsman. Guess? Yep, Kingsman is Fox. to X Men, though. Yeah,
3: no, yep. well, no, but I mean, it's it's technically it's technically a Mark Millar comic book, right? But it's
0: a franchise. yeah, part
3: but of the- yeah. Okay. but I'm, but, it, but there there've been Fox has been very good at taking those
0: weirder adaptations and doing smaller budgets, and they've kind of found their niche are Logan and Deadpool supposed to be a cinematic universe? Is that, or is that just like making different kinds of movies based on the same branding?
1: I think we'll see on that. But I mean, Mm -hmm. to get back to your even question before that, when you said like, is that what we want to see? Like uh, hell's yeah. I mean, like Deadpool and Logan have been some of the better superhero movies we've seen. And and again, how many characters did we have in those, you know, Deadpool only had Deadpool. His buddy was Colossus and Negasonic, Teen Warhead. And then you had like, two or three villains, really. Mm-hmm. It wasn't an overload. And the same thing with Logan. With Logan, they stripped out all the characters except him, Xavier, um, your, his albino friend, who why am I blanking on right now? Carter. Oh, Cable. Yeah, oh, yeah, wow. Caliban, not Cable. That's the Deadpool one. Um, but yeah, so what would be the issue with that? I mean, I would love to see more of that because who cares if it's hard R-driven and as long as you're doing it respectfully and you're doing it to benefit the film and not some you know, kind of perverse just R rating for the hell of it, yeah, no, I'm I'm in for that. <laughs> if you're gonna do it right, you're gonna do it right.
0: Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna go to another topic here that is going to maybe involve a couple of other cinematic universes, but th- this one is near and dear to my heart, and it's related to uh, some things that Alicia has talked about in uh, regards to the mummy. Um, so it it kind of seems like to me. That the go-to defense for when a movie fails at the box office is, uh, well, you know, it's it's because of these sites, these uh, Rotten Tomatoes, and uh, I remember these, this rant. These review aggregators and such, you know, they're keeping audiences away from movies they would otherwise enjoy more than the typical professional. Critic, right? So most notably, I mean it's usually the director of a movie. This one's for the fans. Yeah. uh, Yeah. It's it's not for us,
1: because we only just watch all the movies and we only dedicated our lives to seeing movies. (laughs) We're not fans.
0: Now this is this is a podcast full of film critics, right? So like this is you know, like none of us are gonna come out on the side of like, well, yeah, those directors, they they got a point there. But uh do you do you see any sort of like in terms of like the Rotten Tomatoes thing, the aggregators thing? Is there any merit to some of that? Like, do you kind of see where they're coming from at all? I think that yes and no.
3: I, I think that Rotten Tomatoes, I don't think Rotten Tomatoes system is necessarily the best system uh, on its like like its setup, how it's front facing. But if you look at Rotten Tomatoes, underneath the score is the aggregate score, Uh And people don't look at that one. They look at the big number on top. Yeah. They look at the big number on top. They don't look at the average rating. They also don't take the time. I think it was, um, I believe it was Scott Derrickson actually that said this on Twitter and it was back. It might've been suicide squad because that was another thing. It was like, Oh, this one's for the fans, not critics. Um, and I believe he basically kind of defended critics and was saying like, look, like it's, That just aggregates critic scores. It's up to you as a fan to find critics that you like and read their actual reviews. Don't just take a number, you know, at face value, actually take the time to read some of those reviews. Um, so I, so in that sense, I think, yes, because it's enabled, it's oversimplified things and it's enabled people to no longer really think and just have a number given to them because it's easy. But at the same time, it's also kind of on fans as well and yeah, the studios and, themselves make better and, movies i will
1: pimp, pimp myself pretty quickly because i did a whole rant on we got this covered about this i wrote an article basically like tomatoes is basically a scapegoat at this point and it's the fault on yep. the fans themselves you have to actually read you have to find critics like the whole point of rotten tomatoes is basically to find critics you agree with and you look to see what they keep writing about like it's not about how many critics don't like a certain movie because if you follow Matt Donato on Rotten Tomatoes and all of a sudden, you know what I just gave like, or I, okay. I gave Detroit a negative review and I was one of like 12 or 13 out of like a hundred. So it's like assume Oh, like most people like this movie. So I would like this, but maybe you followed all my reviews and you've agreed with all of my reviews and you see, wait a sec, Matt is like one of the few voices who doesn't like this film. Like that's how you should kind of be using Rotten Tomatoes versus Hey, a bunch of people like it. A bunch of people don't like that's all I'm going for. Here's an easy number to go by. Like it's, you know, I think you said oversimplified, Alicia, and that's exactly what it's done. It's oversimplified everything to the point of, here's a spoon-fed number. You can do whatever you want with it, but it's hundred percent or to zero percent. And people don't want to put the work in. People just want those short blurbs, and I think that's just a huge issue with what we do right now. In the sense of nobody wants long form anymore. Nobody wants to do the work themselves. Everyone just wants to be like handed you know, handed and told what to do when the whole point of art is to make your own opinion on it, to formulate your own kind of thoughts on it and discuss it. Like that's, that's kind of gone.
0: Yeah. Well, it's Yeah. Sorry. Go ahead. I was one thing. And also I don't get the rotten tomato scapegoat thing because Star Trek beyond super positive reviews, great rotten tomato score box office was not great. Uh, you know baby driver did well, but like it's one of the best reviewed movies of the summer, and it's not even close to the you know to the best performer at the box office. So I'm just pointing that out.
3: I think it's also worth noting too that you know they they complain like, oh, you know, these reviews are all really harsh or negative or whatever. and no reviewer goes into well, there's some there are some yeah, out say, there, there, are some. Are, there are some there are some out there that are just dinosaurs <laughs> well, and it seems like they hate movies yeah but. For the most part, it's like make better movies. And, but the thing is like, if you look at something like the mummy, that movie 10 years ago, definitely 20 years ago, but even 10 years ago would have made money at the box office. But studios don't understand that audiences are evolving. Audiences are smarter now. They expect more. They have higher standards. This is the the same audience that's watching game of Thrones and uh, you know, uh, Netflix movie or Netflix shows in Atlanta and The Handmaid's Tale are the same audience is going to see your movies at the theater. You cannot expect that an audience that is watching The Handmaid's Tale and Game of Thrones and Westworld is going to settle for something like The Mummy. But studios don't want to see that. And the reason they don't want to see that is because one, they're slow to change. They're notoriously slow to change. And two, they're trying to make movies, these giant blockbusters for a global audience. So everything gets watered down. Everything gets, uh, everything gets made generic because they're making movies with an eye on China, not just the United States anymore. Right. And yeah. so, uh, you know, studios also have to learn. Like, you need to adapt. S- audiences are smarter now. You can't keep making stupid bad movies and expect audiences to be okay with that. Like, they're not going to eat up like the dumb. Sh- sorry. the dumb dumb stuff that you used to make that worked 20 years ago because blockbusters were still kind of new and it was still cool
0: yeah even even like five to ten years ago because i'm looking at right now the transformers the last night box office take and it's it's not even 600 million which you know 600 million is nothing to sneeze at but 77 percent of that is from foreign markets to your point about china that's not even half what the last transformers made and then that transformers movie from like three years ago was also like a step down from the one before it so i I think alicia your point makes a lot of sense here how that ties into cinematic universes that's a tangent i don't have time to explain but uh uh, before we move on did you have anything to add will ashen i feel like you're sitting back in awe you're just like soaking sorry sorry,
1: will i talk a lot in that ramble that's my fault
3: same
0: uh so i will i was just, just generally speaking did you have anything to add to that uh to the rotten tomatoes discussion to Rod Smith's discussion, I mean, I think, I mean, it's
2: very important to note that we're just in the internet age right now. It's a point where, like, I just don't think. I mean, going off of uh, Alicia, your point that I just think when people like are, are like they can just do so many hours of entertainment online for almost for free. I mean, you obviously have to pay for Netflix and stuff, but they can just you know catch up on Glow or The Handmaid's Tale or anything that they just heard about. Or they can just go on Twitter and Facebook. I mean, going to movies for a lot of people now is an effort. Like, you have to not only buy your tickets, but, you know, drive to the theater, you know, pick your showtime. So you when you to go socialize. to movies. They, oh. Right. I, it, it just feels like, I mean, I like it. I mean, obviously, I think we all like because it it's an event. You know, you get to go and you get to socialize and you get to go to movies. But for some people, it just feels like a hassle. And I just don't, I mean. Well, that's I especially
1: cut- we're talking about, like you said, the digital age. Like, we're in the streaming age, too. So people right. just go, like, why the hell am I going to go see this? When I can sit House and watch it later. Yeah,
2: it's, also, yeah, it's kind of the same
1: family, umbrella.
3: You have a family of four, it costs you by the time you pay for tickets, by the time you pay for concession snacks, by the time you maybe pay for parking, you might be looking at it for family four or five, like a hundred bucks just to go out to see one movie. So audiences are demanding, you know, audiences expect and rightfully so that they're not going to be handed the same crap they were handed. You know, it's not gonna. It's just not gonna cut it anymore. And studios still make movies the way they did ten years ago, but ticket prices were half what they are ten years ago, yeah. or twice what they are, you know, were ten years ago.
0: This is why I think that cinematic universes have been so profitable and like maintaining that because to me, the people that I see at like midnight screenings or not even midnight screenings anymore. That's how dated that that idea is at this point. But Thursday previews and Friday night showings you see a lot of people go to the movies. Like I go to the same theaters all the time and whenever it's Doctor Strange or Civil War or something like that, there's a whole other crowd of people because they know that they can trust This brand, but at the same time, it's not like a franchise where, yeah, I've seen all the James Bond movies. It's like, no, I watch all the Marvel films because they're also different too. And uh, I know I'm going to like it because I'm, you know, I'm a fan and like, I'm not a film critic. I'm not going to like compare, you know, Doctor Strange to, you know, the best movie coming out that year. But uh, I, I totally understand, like, you get your bang for your buck like a couple times a year when you go see these cinematic universe franchise movies that don't feel like you've seen them before, but at the same time, you can kind of trust that it's going to be a good time.
2: Yeah. I, I think. think the big, oh, sorry. sorry. No, go ahead. I was just going to say, I think one of the biggest issues with recent cinematic universe is that like, as opposed to Marvel, they're just not doing the legwork to make these cinematic universes worth our time. Like when we look at the mummy, they're just not like, they just like, Oh yeah, we're this is a cinematic universe, but like they didn't even make, a good mummy movie yet to warrant a cinematic universe. So when audiences are already turned off by the first film, it's hard to really get excited about, you know, Bride of Frankenstein or anything, because they just didn't do the legwork, they didn't make their Iron Man or anything to warrant that cinematic universe. And not nice. only that,
1: they even stumbled out of the gate on that one, because technically yeah. we had the start to this cinematic, dark cinematic universe when uh, yeah. Dracula came out. So it's like they tell everyone they're going to make a cinematic universe. Dracula comes out and it's like, oh, crap, guys, that didn't work. Then it's like a few years later. Oh, wait, no, 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 we're going to restart it over with uh, this new movie, The Mummy. It's going to be great. Don't worry, guys. And they stumble on that one. So it's like, all right, you're 0 for 2 already on a cinematic right. universe. Like, how many times can you just keep restarting a universe until you get it to your liking? Yeah.
3: It feels like a lot of these studios, what they're doing is they're doing like the cinematic universe equivalent of like the person that tries to do the quick fix to lose weight. Like they just take the diet pills <laughs> or the, they took the diet pills or like the fasting, but they don't actually want to do the work, which is, you know, exercise, smart diet. They just want to cheat their way to losing 20 pounds in a week or, you know, a month. It doesn't work like that. You have to lay the groundwork. People, I mean, Marvel's, you know, well over a dozen movies in like we've spent we put in time with these characters they've laid the groundwork the only other universes that come even a little bit closer the x-men universes and that's been really inconsistent and the dceu at this point point. and even i will give the dceu credit i'll give warner brothers credit those of you that follow me on twitter john you're well aware of this i am not liked by many dc fans <laughs> <laughs> and i'm definitely not liked by Zack snyder fans um at all. But I will give them credit because I think they're writing the ship. I think they're learning from their mistakes and it seems like the future of DC, like, they tried to make themselves very different from Marvel at first. And okay, great. Do that. But it didn't work and it took them a couple movies to figure out why it wasn't working. Now it seems like they kind of have it figured out and so the project they have in the future like Batgirl and Nightwing, uh, Gotham City Sirens, those are ones that fans are actually really excited about hmm. and they're going to different direction where it's okay to have some sort of light and hope and you know enjoyment in your films and not just have them be a dark trudge uh
0: but yeah
3: so i I give them credit i think they're learning
0: wonder woman was a big win for dc i still think it's pretty early to uh to at this point be like man they figured it out because uh you know it it, you know one for three or four at this point is, uh, you know, it, it could be good. It could not be. And I agree, though, that I'm really excited about Gotham City Sirens and and uh, maybe some Birds of Prey stuff going on.
1: Well, I mean, Aquaman. I mean, I'm kind of really stoked on Aqu- Aquaman only because, I mean, I am a huge James Wan guy, but uh, I don't know. I feel like Wonder Woman is a step in the right direction. I feel like Aquaman could be the one that really kind of yeah. cements them as getting close to Marvel. Justice um, League is the one that worries me. I, I like oh, yeah. that they were like,
3: I like that they're like, we're screwing everything up. Bingo. Flashpoint. Done. Boom. <laughs> reset. Reset.
1: The cringe fans. I love the reset button. That's yeah. every universe though. It's just the reset Barry, button. Barry, like, All right, crap, is,
3: works. Barry Allen is the reset button for DC consistently. <laughs>
0: DC deserves and needs right now. Um, I, I agree completely. Because like, it, that is like a comic book thing to like what we were saying before like in comics what did they do when people were getting angry about uh big decisions that they would make to sell sell books oh well superboy punched a hole in the universe and so now everything's different <laughs> whatever i'm i'm fine with it just do it i mean i'm used to it at this point i don't know about everybody else but if comics can get away with it, maybe movies can too. Yeah,
1: uh, movies are a bigger beast, though. You can't do that on like a multi-million dollar franchise oh, yeah. like that comes out once uh, every men kind of I pre- year. I was so, gonna say. I mean, well, they kind of yeah,
2: did that that's... with Days of Future Past. To yeah, be that's...
3: fair, to be fair, there were quite there were a few years between them, and let's be real here: the X-Men franchise has never really been a stickler for continuity in the first place. Oh, no. So it was like, oh, you're retconning sorry, everything and kind of rebooting all of it? Okay, makes sense because that's just kind of like the
1: savior at this point of retconning it all and going, like, yeah, we're going to forget all those plot holes. It's like, all right, great. I don't have to worry about those anymore. Awesome.
3: Yeah.
0: Um, I do want to ask this uh, because, I mean, this is probably one of the more important questions. Because when we're actually, and we've touched on it a little bit, but what could you guys cite? Or, like the positives that is what can a cinematic universe do that a franchise or individual standalone can't besides being like uh producing movies that are good in their own right like a cinematic universe can provide like a guardians of the galaxy granted but what are the like characteristics of something being part of a cinematic universe that would make that movie maybe a little bit better now that we've learned a little bit more um over the years um i don't know which of you would want to go first with that
3: are you, so are you asking like what would make an individual movie better if it's part of if it's part of a cinematic universe? That's part of it.
0: Yeah, but like what is it what is the advantage of being in a cinematic universe for these movies for your Captain Americas and your Ant-Mans over like if they had just been standalone in their own continuity things like that?
1: I think differentiate. I, I think a good universe isn't going to have the same tone through every film. And, I mean, this might just be my opinion. But I think like phase two did a pretty good job of that for Marvel because um, you had like Captain America, the Winter Soldier, which, which was like pretty straightforward American espionage thriller, kind of had the military aspect and kind of was more like, I don't know you, were, you went back in time and it was like a. It's like an you know, old you
3: know, 70s, like, it's yeah, like yeah, exactly. an old, 70s, an old like 70s political theater. thriller.
1: But then they also had Ant-Man, which just went heist thriller. Not even, sorry, I would say heist comedy in that. It was more just like a goofball kind of like snatch and grab movie. But again, like it felt like a different genre. You had Guardians, which kind of set up the whole space opera atmosphere that uh, Doctor Strange eventually pig- piggybacked off. But then again, that was like a psychological thriller almost. I mean, Ant-Man
0: so, is phase three, just to be the nerd here.
1: No, that's after an Ant-Man it, phase That's two? after Ultron.
0: It, it was I, like the I, first one of phase three.
1: I was going to say, I'm looking at my notes right now, and they have Phase 2 going until Ant-Man and Phase 3 starts oh, at I'm Captain America
0: I, I, I Don't try
1: to correct me, Negroni. I assume
0: because Ant-Man was 2015 and it was after Ultron that that was Phase 3, but I'm not going to... Don't you step on my <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, no, but yeah, so I, that is my answer to that. I think in order to have a good uh, universe, be it any kind of universe, I want to see differentiation. I don't want to see you doing the same thing and playing it safe over and over again. I want to see each single movie try to do something a little different, tweak the mold a little bit, and, I don't know, just have fun with it and try to just go out.
3: Uh, judgment call here. Uh, Judge weighing in. Ant-Man is part of Phase 2. It is the last movie in yeah. Phase 2. That Captain America: Civil War. Captain America Civil War wrong. starts phase three. That
0: makes no sense to me. Why would it start? Okay. Well, that's all right.
1: Because I'm right and you're wrong and just <laughs> suck <laughs> it. You good enough that reason you as any.
0: All right. Um, did you, do you guys have anything to add to that? I guess like I'm still kind of struggling well, with like, yeah, go ahead. Will.
2: I was going to say, I think a good cinematic universe, if it does the work and it does it well, I think it gives us series, or, or I mean, it gives. A movie universe a sense of breathing room it gives them you know like what matt was saying it gives them more style flourishes it gives them more time to experiment and do different things and look at new characters and build the atmosphere and kind of give a grander sense that maybe a straightforward franchise could never do and i think sometimes that works really well and sometimes it doesn't quite work but i think we're seeing more of those that do work and i that's what i think is really exciting right now
3: I think for me, it's about characters. Um, I'm always character driven first and foremost. I find it really hard to get into a show or a movie or a book even if I hate the characters, if they're fundamentally unlikable. Um, I hate Wuthering Heights, like hate it, hate it. I was a lit, I was a, like, I have my masters in lit, hate weathering Heights cause I hate the characters. Um, so I, I think what cinematic universes do really well is it affords characters We're able to see characters in different ways and from different angles that a pure, that a straight franchise or standalone movie doesn't give us the chance to see. Um, With the Cinematic Universe, you know, we love Spider-Man, but we're used to seeing Spider-Man movies where he's on his own. He's always been kind of a loner, at least in his movies. But in the comic books he's done, he's had quite a few team-ups. We've never seen that before. And so, yeah, like he's had a ton of team-ups. So the magic of seeing Spider-Man in the Marvel Cinematic Universe is that you finally get to see Peter Parker interacting with all of these other characters, you know, bouncing off of Iron Man and, you know, annoying the crap out of uh, Winter Soldier and Bucky and, and Sam, you know, in, in Civil War. Um, hmm. And so I think that for, for a lot of fans, it's these characters that we've grown to love interacting with other characters that we love. And it's the magic of seeing how that dynamic changes in a way that you don't get to see in standalone movies or, or, you know, uh, standalone franchises.
0: Awesome. I have one last question. It's, it's kind of a tough one, maybe for some of you, I don't know, but, uh, I just kind of want to end on this, like looking to the future kind of question, which is, they're, they're, we mentioned a lot of the cinematic universes kind of in the horizon that are still maybe in the process of being made. Which of them, I mean, besides the obvious ones like, you know, X-Men and Marvel and DC, but which one on the horizon are you actually excited about? Like you see potential in it. Maybe you're not sure if it's going to be good or not, but you kind of like, if they do that right? Because um, I honestly, I don't have one personally.
3: MonsterVerse. I wouldn't have said that after Godzilla, but after seeing Kong Skull Island, which was, <laughs> yeah, you I really that, loved, yeah. I loved Kong Skull Island. I, I was pleasantly surprised by that. Um, I think that if they go more Kong Skull Island, less Godzilla, um, they will have, you have the potential to just have a really fun franchise with these iconic monsters where you're just smacking each other down. Sure. who Sign me up for that. Get me characters I care about and just big monsters beating each other up. And cool. Okay. I'm into it.
1: And I think you're going to get that because, you know, the next movies coming out are going to be Michael Doherty and Adam Wingard at the helm. So yeah. You're not yeah. getting the, you're not getting what the <laughs> original Monsters movie, you know, Gareth Edwards, that kind of straight laced tone and the kind of, I, I love grim, Godzilla dark. though to say yeah. that. I love that. I mean, I thought that was one of my favorite movies of the year when it came out. So wow. I'm in the minority there and I did love Kong though. So you kind of stole my thunder on, I was going to say the Monsters. Ah, sorry. I mean, yeah.
3: really any movie where you have Tom Hiddleston waving katana around a green smoke wearing a gas mask. I mean, okay. I'm in like, that's, that's ridiculous. i so mean. weird.
0: That's so weird because I'm probably the biggest Brie Larson <laughs> fan in the state, and I'm not nearly as excited about MonsterVerse. Maybe I need to wake up or oh. something. I I don't know. I yeah, liked Kong Skull Island, alright. I thought it was fine. I didn't I didn't love it, but uh, I don't know. I gotta rewatch it. Who wants to go next? <laughs> well, oh that, no, I was I think You were gonna say is MonsterVerse your answer? I was gonna say
1: MonsterVerse, but I will change my answer just for the sake of saying something different. And <laughs> I'm gonna say screw it. I want yeah. to see the Jump Street verse. I want to see the Jump Street. Kind of, I want Tatum and Hill in so many other properties. Like, start with Men in Black, but just keep going with it. Like, have really? them show up in Fast and Furious somehow. I don't care, make oh, it happen. Amazing. Like, <laughs> I would just, I just love seeing them together and the chemistry they have as their characters. Um, in Jump Street could really fit into most properties and really kind of like skewer it and do a good satire no matter what.
0: It only works so, I mean, if Jonah Hill is a different body type in every movie. Yeah.
3: <laughs> It's I'm just a fan for, I mean, of Channing Tatum, just his humor. Like so I, I'd be want yeah. to put him in any movie. Exactly. Like just playing the kind of dumb guy. Like yeah. Like I mean up
1: across every property you can find. I'd put him in Jurassic Park, put him in e- freaking everything. Put him in
0: Gambit. I think
3: I think <laughs> yes. I think Wait, the as line his character and the, <laughs>
0: or as Gambit. Just as,
3: that would be amazing if he left Gambit as Gambit. They recast, <laughs> but he did a cameo as himself in Gambit. Like that would be just super meta.
1: Yeah, so that that's mine. I mean, like I said, MonsterVerse number one. But if you're gonna have fun with it, I think the Jump Street uh, cinematic universe could be a really fun one to do. All
0: right. Yeah.
2: What about you, Will? Uh, I, I hate to be uh, repeating, but I, Monster Use is going to be mine too. Wow. Uh, so I I'm actually gonna I'll, I'll be like Matt I'll say something different. Um, one I am actually really looking forward to is this Lego Lego Cinematic Universe. Oh, nice. Um, I think I mean I, I didn't love be- uh, Lego Batman as much as some other people. I did like it, but I think with Link uh Lego and Django and this uh billion brick brick project that Jason Siegel Siegel is doing right now, and I heard some other things are coming up. I just think that's gonna be a lot of fun. And that's one of the few like that I'm really jazzed about right now.
3: I'd love to see Stephen King's cinematic universe, too. I mean, he has so much oh, well, material. He, he, yeah. he already has a cinematic universe. And I was
1: going to say, yeah, they're not tied together, but it's there.
3: <laughs> well, I mean, he does, though, with the Dark Tower universe. That's a, that's a cinematic universe in book form. And I just wrote a whole thing about it for uh, Birth, Movies, Death, about how he kind of modeled his uh, Dark Tower series on the old universal monster movies and comic books that like interconnected format. But well, they screwed that all up because I don't I think gonna we're going to a sequel now <laughs> yeah. or the TV show. So we'll I, see.
0: I'm going to be slightly different because uh, I, I'm not quite as into the Kong stuff yet or the Godzilla universe monster verse, but I, I am really like, I, I'm really getting into the idea of a Malarverse, especially if like, I know it's just going to start with a few of the more obscure things like Nemesis, I think is in there. Jupiter's Circle and um, God, but
1: Nemesis would be so good. Sorry, it I love would. That. It would. You're Great. right.
0: Uh, and Wanted. I've, I've been wanting more Wanted for a while, and it doesn't have to have you know what they try to do in, in 2009. But like, if it could even like to what we were saying before, like Lincoln and Kickass and Kingsman and, and MPH. I don't think that was on the list, unless I'm mistaken. There's there's just so much material. So many great stories from the Millarverse that would feel like, I think more, I I think they would kind of do what I really, what I like about Deadpool and Logan, maybe in a, just a different way, you know, more of what, what we like about those movies. So that's the one I'm, I'm a bit more excited about, but okay. Um, I guess that'll do it guys. I've learned so much. Can I,
2: can I pitch one question? Please do. I just thought, right. What's actually a cinematic universe that has been announced that you would like to see? That hasn't been announced, so like we can make yeah. our own. The yes yeah.
0: Cinematic Universe, Arthur, oh um, Sesame Street—it's a whole live-action uh, thing, but mixed with CGI. It'll be good. That'd be know. like
1: a really, it, like really mature and immature Adult Swim universe somehow. Just oh my make God, that, that happen. Amazing. Just CV
0: though. I don't know if that you know, needs a movie.
3: I really just want them to make the Golden Compass right.
0: Oh yeah, oh, yeah.
3: Please mm. just make. An adaptation of the Golden Compass that isn't. I actually laid awake last night trying to decide which was the worst movie adaptation: the Golden <laughs> Compass or the Dark Tower. And I just got <laughs> infuriated and lay there in bed, literally lay there in bed, just mad and not able to sleep because I was just mad.
0: <laughs> you know, when Golden Compass came out, I remember being totally underwhelmed by it, and I wasn't even a fan of the books. But was it also like critically hated? Because I don't think I was paying attention.
2: I think it was. I mean, I remember it had like a thirty-something percent on to me Tomatoes. I know we're that's going against the whole thing, but
0: um oh, I, I remember it you're oversimplified. Well, technically it? it is critically yeah. hated. <laughs> uh yeah. I mean I remember the reviews being pretty bad. Well clearly yeah I mean it didn't get a sequel or anything. But uh, critics
3: yeah. didn't love it, no. Okay. No. I feel kind oh, of or bad. maybe I'd like to see Narnia too. Oh
0: yeah. Yeah, I mean they don't I mean they could they do actually have room to keep that going in the same continuity because you don't have to use the same characters at this point. But oh well. That probably won't happen anytime soon. If it does, I'll be the first to check it out. But okay, I, once again, I mean I've I've learned so much. I think I started this out with so much anxiety, so many questions that felt unanswered by all of the Hollywood executives that I email and just, you know, send snail mail every day. So thank you, Alicia, Matt, and Will, for for setting me straight here. I, I feel I feel great about these. Feel like a therapy session. Did we
3: actually yeah. set you straight though? It's been like a
0: therapy
1: I feel like session I'm just more you. confused.
0: Oh, yeah, it was great for me. Sorry, Matt. I guess not for you, but
1: yeah, I have a lot to process tonight. Okay. Yeah. I think I'm
0: just mad because now I'm thinking about the Dark
3: Tower again.
1: Mm, I'm, so I'm just sad. mad. Again. Go drink that vodka you wanted to drink.
3: <laughs> Good callback. Deep cut. It is cinema holic. This guy listens. <laughs>
0: All right. Well, once again, thank you guys so much for taking the time to hang out with us for an episode of Last Call. We'll see you for our main episode later this week. Uh, remember, if you like Cinemaholics, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and uh, hang out with us on Facebook. Our Facebook page is Cinemaholics. Uh, don't forget to check out the work by Alicia, Matt, and Will. Uh, always doing great stuff every week. Uh, is there anything that you would like to pl- uh, plug right now, Alicia?
3: Um, yes. Uh, the, uh, birth movies, death, actually, I just contributed to their next, uh, actual physical print magazine. It's Stephen King. Oh, wow. And so I wrote a whole thing about the dark tower interconnected universe. And, uh, that is currently on sale. So you can find that through birth movies, death, um, on Twitter, or on their site and buy a copy of it. And they're, they're really cool because it's always artwork done by Mondo and a lot of really great contributors. So it's
0: going to be a really cool magazine if you like uh, Stephen King. Yeah, definitely do that in general. Birth, Movies, Death is a great, great platform um, and a great magazine. Uh, Matt Donato, is there anything that you're, you're up to this week? I know you're watching Annabelle pretty soon, but is there anything, you know? Yeah, I mean, if
1: you want to check out the work I've been doing at Slash Film, I started a little while ago. Uh, some cool articles up there. Uh, I just finished the Fantasia Film Festival, so I got a bunch of reviews on Slash Film, and we got this covered. And uh, just generally follow at Donato Bomb, and you'll just get all of my weekly reviews coming out in at least, you know, three or four a week. So, yeah, hope to interact with you
0: there. Fewer bombs than you probably would expect, but that's alright. Dropping Donato bombs like they're hot. <laughs> Uh Will Ashen, I just have one question. Do you is there another In ain't Ogre till it's Ogre episode coming out soon or what? Oh yeah.
2: I mean, aren't you gonna be on it?
0: Uh I don't know. <laughs> <We haven't played laughs> for those I of you who me don't think know, uh Ogre Till it It's, it's no. Ogre is uh Will Ashen's Shrek podcast where they watch Shrek every month. But yeah, go ahead.
2: And for
1: what we'll yeah, do, um, just have a guest for next week. What's that? No, nothing. I made a bad joke, uh,
2: go. Oh sorry, no, yeah. Uh yeah, sure. I'll plug in uh, Ogre its Ogre. Yeah, we watch Shrek once a month. We do different things, So We watched it backwards last month. We did a road trip episode. Uh, I don't know, just a bunch of crazy stuff. But hopefully next month is going to be our uh, Cinematic Universe episode, or podcast universe, I guess, episode, mm-hmm. where we combine Cinemaholics and it's ogre to its Ogre together. Yeah. So that's going to be exciting. Um, yeah. yeah, I mean, as far as work, you can just follow me on Twitter. Um, the last thing I did, this is so dumb. Uh, I did, like, a David Sedaris Inspired review of a Smash Mouth concert on Saw on Saturday that I thought was kind of funny. I, I would like, do
0: it. Oh my gosh! What?
2: out <laughs> What? I, I did that for Medium. Uh, I just I just kind of wrote it on the whim. Oh, that's it,
0: amazing.
2: It, it, you can check it out um, if you follow me on Twitter at the Will of Ash, or just follow my stuff. Um, yeah, you
0: can check Medium. that out.
3: The place where you write things when you have no idea who you pitch to because yep. you would take an idea that weird. <laughs>
0: yeah. God
1: right. bless them.
0: You can find links to everything that we just plugged here uh, in the show description. We'll see you guys again next week. And thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye guys.